talking about the first pope here, Peter, today. So I'm going to do a little background here. Um, the name of the feast is very interesting, and it makes sense once you understand it, because otherwise it sounds like we're, we're praying to a piece of furniture. The chair of St. Peter is the name of the feast. Let's go with Jesus there at Caesarea Philippi first. Caesarea Philippi had a hill area, and over the embankment in that hill, underneath, there was a huge, vast cave. And the locals called it like the cave of hell, Hades. And the tradition is that that led to the other world, so everybody stayed away from it. So here is Jesus standing on the ridge over this huge valley, and under him is the cave. It's called Caesarea Philippi, named after Caesar, the emperor, and Philip, who's the local representative of Caesar, who changed the name after they took over Caesarea Philippi. So you have some things going on here. You have heaven and hell, death. You have Peter being given a new commandment and a new mandate to be a leader, just think, in place of the emperor and Philip. And he's being given that leadership by being given the keys, no physical keys, metaphorically, the keys of the city of heaven. Like sometimes we have dignitaries here in the city and they give them a symbolic key for the city. There's no doors on our city, so those keys are really useless. But they're symbolic that for that day, this person who's being honored is in charge of the city, metaphorically. Okay, so that's the background. So Jesus knows this. Every Jew know it, no, no secret. And he's standing here on the ridge, and he's asking them a question because he's heard rumors. His nickname is Son of Man, which means God's special son. Anybody could have been the Son of Man, okay? Uh, it was like you and I are children of God, same kind of concept. But when the Son of Man, with the capital S, is referred to, they didn't use S, of course, it was somebody chosen by God to represent him in a very special way. In the Old Testament, Daniel was the Son of Man, and other prophets. So they're very special people. Now, he's referring to himself because he hears people talking about him as the Son of Man, and we'll hear this as he goes to the gates of Jerusalem. They even call him Son of David and Hosanna. Okay. So he says, now, who, who do people say I am? I'm with you a few years. I'm doing these miracles, bread until, uh, from, from nothing and wine from water. Who do people say I am? Well, you're one of the prophets. Maybe Daniel, maybe this one, maybe that one. And then he zeroes in on who will be the leader of his church, Peter. Who do you say I am? And Peter goes right to the heart of it. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Awesome response. Now you and I used to read in the Gospels. We know the stories. So it's not too awesome when we hear it. But just think, just think of one of you here today 
was the son of God or the daughter of God in a special way, this me messianic way. Now we see you every day, you come to church, we go, hi, how are you? But what if all of a sudden one of us recognizes you as God's special child? The rest of us would be astounded. And of course some would be doubtful and we'd all have our own reactions. So just imagine the apostles when they heard he comes out of his mouth these, these profound words. He's a fisherman. He's one of us. He got into battles with us. We ate with him. And he is making this awesome declaration of faith. Now that declaration of faith was historically said at Caesarea Philippi, but it has followed us to today. Because with that declaration of faith, Jesus makes Petras the rock of the church. His name was Simon. Jesus changed it from Simon to rock. This is rocky. This is the rock of the church. And you're going to be in charge of this church. And again, you know, you've got to be appreciative of this period Jesus did not imagine this as a church. Jesus did not imagine a church building replacing the temple. It was people of the church, those who follow the Heavenly Father's prayers. We are the church. So his church was growing. At that point, it was small, but it was growing. And again, this is Jesus who is God, but it's Jesus who is man. So that came together, and he says, and Someday this church will be humongous, but right now, whatever we have, you're in charge. You'll be the head of the church. You'll be the rock upon which the church future is built. So it goes right back to you and me because we are the church now. So this is the story about our origins, and there are many of those in the scriptures. This is only one. Our origins as a community. Now, you and I, well, I shouldn't say you and I. I know many of us have a tradition at home that when someone in our family dies, at least that first Christmas or that first holiday, what we have done, we did, we left an open chair at the table. And the last person we did it for was my brother who died seven years ago. And the first Christmas, first Easter, we left the open chair for Michael. And nothing morbid, it was a way of physically remembering him. And many people do that. They leave a chair, and the word chair translated is cathedra in Latin. So when Peter died, and he'd already been appointed leader of the apostles, the church in Rome, again, not St. Peter's Basilica, the people of the, of the Church of Rome buried him. He died a martyr. He died upside down on a cross. And the tradition is he requested that because he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus was. He was unworthy, he felt. And he was buried. And he was buried on one of the seven hills of Rome that happened to be called Vatican. So they get the body of Peter, and they bury him in a cemetery in Rome on Vatican Hill. 
time goes on, now the church is growing physically, politically, spiritually, socially, and it's growing. And we're getting more numbers and, and people and buildings are being constructed for the worshiping community. And one of those buildings was built over the tomb of Peter. People always went to it, like you and I go to cemeteries, they always went to it because they knew where his body was buried. It probably wasn't really, really clearly mon uh, noted, but eventually the area built a little chapel. And after the chapel, a church. And after the church, Constantine comes along and builds a basilica, which is this shape of church like we have now. And after that, during the Renaissance, San Pietro, the, the Basilica of St. Peter in Rome is built, okay, 500 years ago. Now, the church is still commemorating the fact that we're missing somebody at the table, the chair. And the chair of St. Peter represented one, the presence of the guy we miss, St. Peter in this case, but also his authority. Because when a leader was placed in authority in, a, in the Roman world, he sat on a chair in the basilica. So in Roman basilicas, he would have sat there. There would be no altar. He'd be sitting right there, and everyone would hear him, not because of microphones, but because the architecture of the church. So the chair symbolized the presence, nothing miraculous, the presence of the person it was set for. In this case, the chair of St. Peter. Now, through archaeology and research, there has been found remnants of a, quote, chair, physical chair, that was attributed to St. Peter. And in more modern times, the actual tomb of St. Peter, and a few years ago we were in Rome and we visited it, and it was marked just by graffiti, here lies Peter. So the people who subsequently built the shrine around his tomb knew where he was. And that was called the chair of Peter. Bernini comes on the scene in the 16th century and he builds what we all know as the great altar of the chair, way in the back of the apse of St. Peter's Basilica and that's the one with the Holy Spirit in the center and rays of light and angels and doctors of the church. And it's, it's magnificent if you just go home and look at it online, go to Google and find out the chair of St. Peter. So today we celebrate, not furniture, we celebrate the memorial of the leadership, the physical leadership of the church, our historical roots, and a great saint. So it all comes together, and it's you and me. It's, it's our church that we're celebrating. It's our leadership that we're celebrating. The first pope. With that in mind, of course, we have to continuously pray for the strength of Francis, and I'm one of his biggest fans, our present pope, who comes across sometimes as being uh, challenging, at least, but very spiritual, very holy, and going back to our roots as people who follow Christ and who 
willing to put their lives on the line for Christ. So of course we pray for all the successes of Peter today and our own selves, but to, to pray for Peter and the chair of Peter and the authority of Peter is also to pray for ourselves. He's authority over nothing if he's not authority over the church. And we are the church. So today we honor Peter, the physical leader of the church on earth, appointed by none other than Jesus Christ because he made that affirmation of faith that everyone here comes to church to say. When we say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's our affirmation of faith. When Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, that was an affirmation of faith. Let's live that faith. We don't have to die for it. We might have to someday. But right now, let's be busy about living the faith as Jesus gave it to us.